Ezekiel chapter 36. You know, there are a number of sayings that we use down south that other folks from other parts of the country may have a little bit difficulty understanding what we're trying to say. According to Southern Magazine, here are the top five Southern sayings. And I'm sure everybody in here, if you're from the South, have, uh, have made these statements before. Now, I'm going to count them down from five to number one. Number five, top five statement, number, number five, hold your horses. Have you ever made that one before? And down south, what that simply means is be patient, all right? Number four, give me some sugar. <laughs> now, that's not talking about Dixie Crystal. Uh, that's talking about a kiss. We all know that. And, but people maybe from other parts of the country may go get the sugar container and bring it to you. Give me some sugar. Number three, you're barking up the wrong tree. That means you're mistaken down south. Number two, slow as molasses. That means, man, you are extra slow. And then number one, bless your heart. <laughs> Somebody once told me if you can learn to say two things down south, you can get by with anything. Number one, I heard that. And number two, bless your heart. Try it sometime. Somebody come up to me not long ago, and they were mad about something. They just kept, man, I could tell they were mad, and I, said, I kept saying, I heard that. I heard that. And then when they got done, I said, well, bless your heart. If you can say those two things, man, you can get by with anything down here. They went away th thinking I really cared. <laughs> yeah. Bless your heart. Well, this morning, I am starting a brand-new series of messages that I am entitling... Bless your heart. Bless your heart. I was reading this week, and I really came across some things that, uh, about the human heart that uh, I didn't realize. Listen to this. Number one, the human heart is about the average size of your fist and weighs less than a pound. That's fact number one. Fact number two, this is going to shock you ladies now, but fact number two is a man's heart on average weighs about two ounces more than a woman's heart. Now, some of y'all thought your husband didn't even have a heart. But in reality, his heart is bigger than your heart. Amen. There you go. You men ought to be jumping up and down right now. I'm just trying to help you a little bit. What about this one? Number three. Fun fact number three. The beating sound of your heart is actually caused by the opening and the closing of the valves around your heart. You know... That's your valves, heart valves, opening and closing. Number four, man, this one blew me away. The, we, the, the one day of the week when most, when most people are likely to have a heart attack is on Monday. Can you believe that? On Monday. But this one, fun fact number five, blew me away. The one day of the year when people are most likely to have a heart attack is... Believe it or not, Christmas Day. Uh, is it because you got the present you weren't expecting? <laughs> by the way, that's followed number two by the, di the day after time change. You know, when we change and we spring forward in the, in the uh, month of March, I believe it is now, second week or so of March, we spring forward. The Monday after that is when the second most uh, uh, leading day when people are most likely to have a heart attack. Well, with all that being said now, let me stop and say, boy, God is interested in your heart this morning. You know, the Bible has a whole lot to say about the heart. 
I looked it up this, uh, uh, this week and I counted them. And the, the heart or some form of it is mentioned 958 times in the Bible. Now, I'll tell you something. God has a whole lot to say about the human heart. And it kind of indicates to me that God is not only interested in you being physically heart healthy, but it also kind of indicates to me that more importantly, God is interested in, being, in you being spiritually heart healthy as well. God wants all of us to be spiritually heart healthy. One of the greatest things I believe you can ever do for your physical heart well-being is to get your spiritual heart in a place where God can bless it. Now, we've all made this statement before one time or another, but the statement goes like this. At the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Now, let me stop. Leave that up there for just a moment. The Bible doesn't say that. There's nowhere in the 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 71,000 some verses, 788,000 words. There's nowhere in the Bible that you'll read that statement. But can I tell you something? Though that statement is not made in the Bible, that statement is verified by the Bible. At the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. You know something? We all have heart problems. Now, I know some of you have physical heart problems. You've got stents, or you've had open heart surgery, or you're on your second heart attack or third heart attack, and man, you're trying to be careful about all that. There's a lot of people in this room this morning who have physical heart problems, but can I just stop and say, everybody in this room has a spiritual heart problem. And at the very heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Now, again, the Bible doesn't say this, but let me show you what Jesus said about it. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse number 21, Jesus said this, For from within, now he's talking about inside of us. For from within, out of the heart of men, there it is, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. He goes on to say thefts and covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these bad things. Jesus said all these evil things come from within. And do what? At the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Now, in our society, in our nation today, we have become notorious for trying to deal with the fruit of problems without ever getting to the root of problems. Can I have an amen? You know, in our country today, and we just bless, bless those people's hearts, but we just had another one of those mass shootings yesterday up north. You may have heard about it. If you haven't, I'm sure you will be in the next several days. And we hear about these mass shootings all across our land. In fact, can I tell you something? Uh, the gunning down of innocent people in the streets of America. In 2021, 20,726 people were killed last year in America on the streets of America by guns. There, last year, there were 693 mass shootings in America. Now, mass shootings, let me qualify that, where four or more people are shot 693 times last year in America, there were mass shootings. 22 people were killed last year in public schools. And we hear all of that, and we say, okay, man, we got to get rid of guns. But look at me again. I want to tell you something. I, I am not a politician. I'm a preacher. But I do have enough sense to know guns are not the problem. 
Listen to me. It, you can get rid of every gun in America. You can pile them all up, melt them down, turn them into stinking uh, washing machines if you want to, but if you don't get a man's heart right, if you don't get a change of heart, that guy's going to make a bomb. He's going to get a rock. He's going to get a knife. He's going to get a stick. He's still going to kill because change must come from within. We cannot legislate righteousness. Only God, only God can make a man have a change of heart. And, and, and no matter what kind of laws we pass in America, I'm telling you, all we're doing is rearranging the deck on the sinking Titanic uh, because I'm telling you, laws cannot change the heart uh, of a human being. Only the grace of God and a good old-fashioned dose of salvation can have a, cause a man to have a change of heart. Well, that Titanic started sinking. Wouldn't it have been stupid to say, look, take those lounge chairs and put them on this side over here and get those hammocks and bring them and put them. I mean, man, that would have been crazy. Look, the ship's going down. And can I tell you something? It's crazy in America for us to try to pass laws. I'm telling you, the ship is going down. We've got to get back to realizing it's not the fruit of the problem. It's the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is the heart. And I'm talking to people this morning, and you're listening to a person this morning that has a heart problem. So what do we need? A change of heart. Well, I want you to join me in our text this morning. I want to read to you a little bit about a change of heart. Now look here in our text this morning. Let me begin reading in verse number 24. And I'd like to read down through verse 30. Bear with me for just a moment. These verses are about a heart transplant. A change of heart. Look at verse number 24. For I will take you from among the heathen. This is God speaking. He's speaking to the nation of Israel. And he said, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. From all of your filthiness and from all of your idols will I cleanse you. Then look at verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart, that old hard, calloused heart. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Don't you just like the sound of all that? Look at verse 29. I will also save you from all of your uncleannesses. I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. You know what God is saying? It all begins. All those good things. I'm talking about the, the, the famine's going to end and the corn's coming and, and all of that is, is predicated upon the fact that they have a change of heart. And this morning I want to preach a little bit about a change of heart. I want to show you three things from this text this morning about heart change. Uh, look number one, for instance, there in verse 24 and 25. I want to talk a little bit, number one, about a new heart, a new heart. Now, in verse 24, God is speaking to the nation of Israel. And by the way, they are no longer in their homeland. They have now been dispersed 
into, into foreign countries. And the reason that they have been dispersed or scattered or captured and carried away captive into these foreign countries is not because they've been defeated, but because they've been disobedient. They have turned their heart away from God. In fact, if you look there at verse 25, he talks about there at the end of that verse, God saying, I'm going to remove, in verse 25, I'm going to take away all of your idols. So what happened was they set aside the worship of the true and the living God, and they begin to worship all these false gods. And boy, you're talking about getting them in trouble. They were in trouble. In fact, God told them, if there ever comes a point, God brought them into this wonderful land. It was a land that was rich in natural resources. That's the reason the Bible calls this land that they, li- that they dwelt in a land of milk and honey. Now that doesn't mean that there was milk running down streams and honey was oozing up out of the earth as much as it means, man, it was just a land that was rich with these natural resources. I mean, man, uh, I'm, I'm talking anything they needed to produce crops and to grow strong uh, herds and, and to have uh, great lives was found right there in that land. But God told them now, if there ever comes a time in your life that you turn aside from me and you start worshiping false gods, I'm going to take you off that land. I'm going to uproot you and carry you off and scatter you among the nations. Let me read it to you. Back in the book of Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 28 verse 64, the Bible said, and the Lord shall scatter these same people. The Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth even to the other, and there shalt thou serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. He goes on to say in the next verse, and among these nations shalt thou find no ease. In other words, God said, I'm going to deliver you into the hands of these nations. When you get there, I mean, you're not going to find anything that's going to make you happy. You're not going to find any peace. There's going to be no ease. Neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. I mean, God said, you're going to lay down, but you're going to get up tired. You're going to drink, but you're still going to be thirsty. You're going to eat, but you're still going to be hungry. You're not going to find anything that can satisfy your heart in this foreign land. And he goes on to say, But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and a failing of eyes and sorrow. Why? I'll tell you why. They set aside the worship of the true God and started worshiping gods made out of stones, rocks, and woods. You and I know there's only one God. And because of that, they were in real trouble. However, in our text this morning, God begins to look forward to a future day. When those same people that have been uprooted, carried off into captivity, are going to be brought back into their land. And he says there in verse number 24, I'm going to gather you out of these countries. And by the way, prophetically speaking, we have lived to see the regathering of the nation of Israel. For thousands of years, they were dispersed throughout the whole world. And yet, in these last days, we have saw the nation of Israel come back into being again. We have saw Jews from all over the world in foreign countries begin to make the pilgrimage back to the land of Palestine, back to the land of Israel. And God said, when you see that happen, guess what? Look up, your redemption's about to draw nigh. We've seen that. And then if you look at verse number 24, God said, I'm going to bring you into your own land. And then verse 25, God said, now I'm going to clean you up. Look at verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all of your filthiness. And then God said there in verse 26, guess what? I'm going to give you a new, a new heart. You know something I got thinking about heart transplants. God is promising his people here, when I bring you back, first of all, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to sprinkle you 
with clean water. That carries us back to the, uh, into the Old Testament tabernacle and temple where they used that water to purify certain things. They would boil uh, uh, they would kill a, a heifer and they would boil it and, and then they would take the ashes and mix it with water and they would use that water that had the ashes of that heifer in it to sprinkle upon things, to purify them, to clean them. And God said, hey, I'm going to purify you. I'm going to clean you. By the way, anybody in here this morning feel a little dirty? I'm not talking about physically. But have you gone out this week and done some things that you know is totally against the will of God for your life? And because of that, you sit in this service this morning and you just feel unclean. You ever felt like that before? Aren't you glad there's a God in heaven that says, I'm going to clean you up? Aren't you glad there is a God in heaven who's not just going to dust you off? He's not going to give you a spit bath like your mama used to give you. He's going to take you, bathe you, and completely clean you up. I'm glad we have a God like that. And then he said this in verse 26. He said, I'm going to put a new heart within you. I will give you a new heart. In other words, God said, I'm going to perform a heart transplant on you. I'm going to give you a change of heart. You know, I got to reading about those. I, I became interested in heart transplants this week. And I got to reading about them. And you know, they've really only become real successful in the last, say, 50 years. The first heart transplant that was ever performed was performed back in 1967. A 53-year-old man, 53 man received the heart of a 25-year-old woman. She had been tragically killed in a car wreck, and he received her heart. His heart was diseased. It was sick. And the only way he could live was to get a new heart. Well, it was performed by a doctor known as Christian Bernard. And although the patient died 17 days later, he did not die from the heart transplant. He died from double pneumonia. Now today, fast forward to 2022, annually, somewhere in this world, annually, there are more than 3,500 people every year who undergo a heart transplant surgery. Now the only person that I've ever known that had a heart transplant, I'm talking about literally, was Miss Shirley Johnson. Back around the turn of the millennial, she went to Chapel Hill, and Miss Shirley got a brand new heart. And buddy, I'm telling you, that new heart did her well for many years until recently she passed away, and she went to heaven. But can I tell you this? Literally every time somebody gets saved, you know what God does? God performs a heart transplant on that person. God takes away that old sinful, that old corrupt, that old dirty heart, that contaminated heart, and God miraculously, and God immediately places within them a brand spanking new heart right before our very eyes. Can you believe that? I mean, that happens, right? By the way, there's no stitches required. There's no staples. There's no recovery time needed. And here's the thing. There's no copay. Can I have an amen? There's no hospital bills required. You, don't, you won't need to take anti-rejection drugs. You know why? God takes away that old stony cold, hard, callous heart. And God in the place gives you a brand new heart on the inside, a new heart, ladies and gentlemen, that is clean and pure and righteous and holy in the sight of God. God takes away that old dirty heart out of you that's full of them dirty deeds and them dirty deliberations and those dirty desires, and God puts within you a brand new heart. Boy, you talk about a change of heart. That's the reason we read over in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new what? He's a new creature. What happens? Old things 
pass away. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the, the things that their life used to consist of because they had a dirty, corrupt, contaminated heart on the inside. When God does the heart transplant, the old things pass away. Has there ever been a time in your life when the old things passed away? Listen, if you say you're saved and you still keep going back to the old things and they're, they're still a part of your life, hear me and hear me well, you might need a heart transplant this morning. You might need to come to Jesus and get saved by the grace of God because when God saves you, the Bible said the old things pass away and all things do what? You get a new heart, man. And, and God changes your desires. There's a new heart. Do you need a new heart this morning? Do you need a new, Brother John Tucker said, I thought that was you amen and down there, Brother John. Man, he's, he just got out of the hospital from open heart surgery. Yes, sir. I'm talking about a new heart. But then notice number two, not only a new heart, but there's a new part. Now, what am I talking about? We'll read on in verse number 26. And the Bible said, God said, I'm going to give you a new heart, but didn't jump down to verse 27. And God said this, I'm going to put my spirit within you. Now, I want to say this reverently. I want to say this uh, in, 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 the, in the most respectful way. But when God gives you a new heart, God gives you a new part. What am I saying? Well, the Bible said that God then puts his spirit within us. And by the way, this is one of the few times in our King James Bible, in verse 27, where God is talking about the Holy Spirit that it's used with a little s, a lowercase s. Most of the time, 98% of the time in the Bible, where God is referencing the Holy Spirit is always with a capital S. This is one of the few times in the Bible where God, re referencing the Holy Spirit, uh, starts it with a lowercase s. But God said, I'm not only going to give you a new, a new heart, I'm going to place within you a new part. You see, one of the reasons a lot of people think, man, I can't live the Christian life is because they don't understand what happens to you the moment you get saved. God gives you a new heart which makes you a new creature. And then God places within you his Holy Spirit. And when God's Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us, it enables us and empowers us and endows us with the power and the ability to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord. You got the Holy Spirit living inside of you now. You not only got a new heart with new desires, but desires that we don't have the power to produce and to follow after. But God said, hold it along with a new heart. I'm going to give you a new part. I'm going to put the Spirit of God on the inside of you and He's going to help you to live in a way that is pleasing and honoring to me. In other words, there'll be new actions. There'll be new attitudes. There'll be new articulations. All of that is different now because the Holy Spirit has been placed within our new heart. I'm telling you, friend, you'll live differently when you get saved. You will walk differently when you come to know the Lord as your Savior. In other words, what I'm suggesting to you this morning is this. If you will receive what these scriptures are talking about this morning, you may walk out of here in the same old clothes that you walked in here on. But can I tell you something? There'll be a new person in them old clothes. You may go out and crawl in the same old smoking Ford that you drove in this parking lot this morning. But can I tell you something? There'll be a new driver in the seat of that old smoking Ford. You may go back to the same old house that you left to come over here from this morning, but thank God there'll be a new resident 
in that old house. You may go to the same old job in the morning with that same old ordinary boss person, but thank God there'll be a new employee at that old job. I'm saying this, you may go back to the same old family with the fussing and the fighting, but thank God there'll be a new member in that family. You know why? Because when God gives you a new heart, he'll give you a new part. And he'll put his spirit within you and you will be different. A new heart and a new part. But we're not done yet because when you get a new heart with a new part, you'll get a new start. I want to show it. Look here in our text this morning and look what God said in verse 28. God said, I'm going to put my spirit within you. I'm going to give you a brand new heart. And then God said in verse 27, man, you're going to start walking in my statutes. You're going to start keeping my judgments. And notice this, you're going to do them. You say, preacher, I wish I could. I want to, but I know I can't. God said, try it. God said, you're going to do it. And then in verse 28, he said, and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And ye shall be my people, and I'll be your God. Boy, I like that, don't you? God said, you're going to be my child and I'm going to be your father. Then he goes on to say this, verse 28, uh, verse 29, and I will save you from all of your uncleannesses. I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. I'll multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that you shall no more, re uh, no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Now, i got to tell you something. Look at me. I'm not sure I understand all that, but I do like the sound of it. It just sounds like to me that things are about to take a dramatic turn for the better in the lives of these people when they get a new heart with a new part. They're going to get a brand new start. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning at all. I, I don't want to trick you into thinking, well, you come down here this morning and you ask Jesus into your heart and the Holy Spirit's going to come in your life and all of your problems are just going to vanish into thin air. We know that's not the case. Uh, you know, uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, you're still going to have problems. Just because you get a changed heart, just because you come to God, don't mean that all your problems are going away. But I will say this. The first step in the right direction is to have a change of heart. And only God can change your heart. You say, preacher, that's what I need today. My life has become such a mess. I tell you, I... I have made so many bad choices, and man, I've just, I, I'm, I'm addicted to this, and I'm hooked on that, and man, I'm, I'm in this kind of trouble, and my life is just totally in disarray. I'd give anything if I could turn back the hands of time and just go back and undo some of the things that I've done. Well, I got some bad news. You can't do that, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can come this morning, get a new heart and a new part and a new start. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, and I don't even know if they even make them anymore, but when I was growing up, it seemed like every Christmas, I don't know, it's just because mom and daddy thought we needed it or what, but every Christmas, they'd get us an Etch-a-Sketch. You know, it was that red thing, and down at the bottom, it had two white knobs on. It looked like a TV, but it didn't plug in. You know what I'm talking about? And it didn't plug in. And you would draw lines on that thing. And you could, you could actually, if you work both of them together, you could do curves. Otherwise, they were just straight lines. 
And you could just make all kind of stuff. And I never did make pictures on there. I never got good enough with that. But I do know this. I made a lot of messes on it. Run that stuff between here and there. But all you had to do was pick it up and... And it would clear the thing out and the screen would be clear and you could just start all over again. Aren't you glad we serve an Etch-a-Sketch God this morning? You may mess up. You may, your life may become in disarray. You may be in just, just totally, your life is just totally just one big stress ball. But if you'll pick it up this morning and bring it to Jesus right before your very eyes, no staples, Brother John, no stitches, no, what they call that? Zipper. I know one of these days I'm going to get a zipper. Too many double cheeseburgers under this belt right here. I'm going to have to have a zipper one of these days. Hope later than sooner. But can I just say this? Thank God he'll do a heart transplant on you this morning. And you can walk out of here with a brand new start if you'll come to Jesus this morning. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.